0: Thanks, Roy. Um, we're going to do what we're going to call a ECVM, bit, but, but just, just in summary there, I'm, I'm obviously, my background's football, and I'm interested, Roy, when you talk about being intentional. England haven't won the World Cup since 1966, don't you know that? Just, just, do you know that? I don't think you should talk about football. Why not? With two legs, it's not over yet, it's only half time. <laughs> That's faith. Incidentally, that just sums up your talk because do you know why there's goalposts at either end of a football pitch talking about being intentional? Do you know the only reason that there are goalposts at either end of the pitch? So we know the score. (laughs) And if we want 10%, maybe we've been playing 4-4-2. Maybe we haven't changed in our fellowships. Maybe we're doing the same old, same old. And the intention is to add to the church daily such as we'd be saved. Maybe we need to think of one behind two, four and three, four, three, three, four, five, one, Rafa Benitez, four, two, one, three, whatever it is, as long as we get the ball into the net. As a man said to me one time, Walker, I'll give you the best team talk ever. I said, What's that? He said, Get her out of that net and get her into that net. And he shut the door. <laughs> uh, and that's where I've been going wrong all these years. I've got to be intentional. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Now, what the two principal speakers have done is have limited the time for the next three guests that are coming forward. But uh, one, one at a time. As, where's Rob Blair? Rob, are you near? Come on up, Rob, because we're going to challenge these guys. They thought that eight minutes each, but actually they're down to about five. Uh, but that's okay. But Rob uh, looks after firefighters for Christ. He's a he's a big friend of this ministry and um, he... he He does a lot of work. He's been our chief steward today, by the way, just in case you want to know who that was, the the bossy fella who was uh, putting everybody and moving everybody into place. But look, the next three guests really are simply this, to tell us, we're going to ask you, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what men's ministry or or what it is that it means to you. So I'll give you this mic, and then I'll take it back off you for Clinton when he comes.
1: Thanks very much, Roy. You said eight, Spud said ten. We'll work it, wing it, as they, they say. Yeah, I was the one that was doing the golden. Sorry for that if I got too close to somebody's ear. Um, my name is Rob Blair. I'm involved in Firefighters for Christ. And you may see, and hopefully this wee thing will work. Yeah, it is working. It's an international ministry from California through to the Philippines. We have small groups right across uh, the globe. And it basically is, as it says, Firefighters for Christ. We're all about, as you'll see from our vision statement here, to reach firefighters worldwide with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to encourage firefighters to live their lives for Jesus Christ. That's a huge statement, huge statement. And when I first got involved in this ministry and seen that as the vision, I thought, no way. Standing in our headquarters in Lisbon, that's never really going to affect us. And that was in '95. Anybody know what major event, sporting event, happened in 2013 in Belfast? World Police Firefighter Games. The Lord brought them to Northern Ireland to reach them. I didn't have to go to them. That's how big our God is. When He gives you a vision, He provides the resources that He provides. So even though in '95, standing in our headquarters thought this is impossible, He brought the impossible to us in Belfast. Who would ever have thought? Um, it's, been a, it's a great challenge for us, a great encouragement. This is sort of the stuff that the international is involved with. Our headquarters are in California, our international conference is there next April in Hume Lake and i have got to send somebody, in. and I, I fell on the sword. I'll go to California for you. Uh, we're involved in emergency relief and that's basically anywhere in the world and at any time where there's a major disaster, there's a the potential for a Firefighters for Christ emergency relief team to work with local churches. Just to be there, to be hands and feet, and to share the good news of the gospel. We do have planned missions uh, from training trips. We've just have a team come back from Ecuador. Paddy Quinn, who's at the back there, is leading the team to Uganda. Hopefully, in November of next year, we basically go out and do training with local firefighters and preach the gospel. That's our way, and it's our shoe, and it's our opportunity to share the gospel. We give them equipment, we give them training, we give them the gospel. We'll also work with the children's home called Tai Carriado out there, which is through a, another firefighter in South Wales that give us a great opportunity to bring our families involved in mission, not just firefighters going out to do what they do. Um, so you'll see a, a picture of that. How that looks like, or what that looks like locally, we have monthly breakfasts. As you can tell by the shape of us, some of us enjoy the breakfast. <laughs> we have indi- individual meetings with journey groups and with missions home and away. Now, when you look at all of that stuff, Monthly breakfast, that's only an opportunity to meet somebody, an opportunity to develop a relationship. Those journey groups or those individual meetings, that's where relationship starts to happen. And that's where we see the biggest work actually achieved. That's where men actually get one-on-one and actually put themselves in a vulnerable position, not accountable. Accountable for me was always about me going to the teacher and being wrong and getting the, the red line Being vulnerable with each other means you're in my mess and I'm in your mess and we're getting through it together through the grace of Jesus Christ and through that power. It's not about me being accountable to you, me getting the red pen out and taking you wrong all the time. It's about let's get through life together, joined in the battle. We're also involved in a lot of chaplaincy work within Northern Ireland Fire and Rescue Service, but that's actually, it's unofficial and that's mainly because it's not officially recognized because of the religious political situation that we find ourselves in this country. But our service uses the training that we have received through the International Critical and Stress Foundation to provide chaplaincy on a very low key and a casual casual way. When I refer to Uganda, this is some of the stuff we've been involved with or we're going to be involved with in November of 2018. This is some of the training that the guys were involved in the last time very basic firefighting skills but it gives them an opportunity to share the gospel with them and then what we're trying to do is the city airport and the international airport have donated fire gear to us that's our personal protective equipment that's fire tunics leggings and helmets and basically we've got twice that amount that we're trying to ship out to uganda when you look at a group of firefighters in Uganda. One will have a pair of gloves, one will have a helmet, somebody else will have a tunic, somebody will have a pair of leggings. They don't have it all like we have. So these, the airport international and the city donated this to us, so we're going to try and get that out to them. And if anybody's got a, a big bag and a flight to Uganda in the next couple of years, come and see us. And we could use the help to get it there. And again, this is Thai karyad This is Working With The Children's Home. As I say to you, when I thought about this vision and I thought, how is this actually going to work out for us in Northern Ireland? This is what the Lord really burdened me with. It's not about looking at, you take about the UK, something like 40,000 firefighters. That wasn't my call. My call is that one firefighter that's right in front of me. That's the one I'm having coffee with. That's the one I'm doing breakfast with. That's that one-on-one. That's what the Lord called me to do. One firefighter at a time. You think of your fellowship, you think of the men that you're involved in. You can get overawed with the potential for this, but what he's asking you to do is one firefighter or one firefighter or one person, one man at a time. What the Lord really wants to do, what he's burdened on me is the restoring of the heart of man to where it should be in the right place with God. That's what we're after and that's what God's pursuing in the firefighters in Northern Ireland as well as the men in this room. He's pursuing your heart, that's what he's after. And when I think back to Roy was sharing about Garden of Eden and about Adam and Eve, after the fall, what do you think was the first thing that Adam actually said to Eve? Eve, fig leaves, not nettles. Sorry. That's that's an old pun, but I had to use it. But it's about one man at a time. He's after your heart. He's pursuing your heart. That's what he's doing. But what you've got to remember... There is a battle for your heart and you do have an enemy. And hopefully this will work. I was under the illusion that when I became a Christian, this is what life was like. This is my three kids quite a few years ago on the beach. Totally oblivious to actually what is going on in the spiritual realm. There's a battle going on for your life, for your heart, because if you're the man of God that God has called you to be, your family will know it, your neighborhood will know it, your church will know it, your employees, your colleagues will know it. And that's what we're about in Firefinisher of Christ. We're encouraging our brothers and our sisters to live their lives for Jesus Christ. And if we can walk worthy of that call, then the people around us are going to know it. Part of the thing that we're doing in our journey group is making people aware of there is a battle going on around us. And it's a battle for your heart. There's a lot of things going on in the spiritual realm that we're not aware of. And for me, that battle that was happening on that beach was going on all around me, totally oblivious to it. I'm there playing with my kids. I'm just doing life. But believe me, brothers, there's a battle going on for your heart and for your family. And part of the thing that we do in our journey group is we challenge our brothers to to read a book alongside us and then get involved in a journey group. And I want to read you a reply to a letter that I sent or an email I sent to a brother. Sorry, it's been so long. This is his reply to me, sorry. I sense that you've been praying for me. I also believe that our heavenly father placed on your heart to give me this book. I'm not going to lie, when you challenged me to be accountable in reading this book, I totally shut down in fear. Fear of what? Fear of being accountable. Fear of not measuring up. I'm on page 140 at the moment, and I've been reading it kind of sporadically, but I feel called to read it more and more. This book has described me in a lot of ways. I'm the guy who waits in fear all the time. That someone at work or somewhere in the fire service will actually find out I'm an imposter. I feel like I have an imposter. I've been an imposter my whole life. There's a lot of times in my life where I've just sat there wondering, who am I? I long to know the answer to that question. I pray I soon can find it. I know it will take consistent work. I'm so afraid of failing that I don't start most things. I just don't understand. In the past years or so, people have been praying for me. And those that have been praying get a picture of me as a mighty warrior. Sometimes this warrior is on his knees trying to recover from one battle to get ready for the next. I'm sure I don't see it. I'm sure I don't understand it. I pray I could understand. I pray that God would reveal to me what it means. One thing is for sure. I'm tired and beaten down but I also know I'm not out. What that brother put in words is how I had felt for some years, but what he'd done was articulated in a way that I couldn't. You could maybe identify with that. And what this event about is today is about encouraging you to be the man of God that you've been called to be. And there's men around here that want to be involved in your life to do that. Paul talks about there's many mentors but few fathers. And when I look around this room and I see and maybe a more mature generation, which I fall into myself, your job is not done yet. As you were talked about earlier on here about men would love to be on the sidelines, possibly, but cheering you on for to be the man of God he's called you to be. You've got a role as a father to father the younger men in the ministry and in church and in life. And as you look across our generations, that's failing. But we have it in church. There are many mentors, but few fathers. Is God calling you to be a father to a younger man in this place here today? He's calling you to to encourage him. The difference between a father and a mentor for me is a mentor will have you for a wee while pass you on. But the father's love never, never stops. And that's the difference of the sort of fathers that God wants in our churches. Yes, you have an enemy, but you also have a Lord and Savior. Jesus come to give you life, and to give you life for the, to the full. And if I could work this magic stick, it would maybe come up to that. Jesus, when, in Luke, he refers to Isaiah 61, and he said, This day, this passage has been fulfilled in front of you. I've come to give sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, and to set the captive free. You may feel like that today, being captive, but what you've heard from this platform, from the heart of these men, hopefully, if you come before the Lord today, that he'll set you free to set other men free. That's what Firefighters for Christ is about, is encouraging firefighters to live their lives for Jesus Christ. That's what you should be about, encouraging other men to live their lives for Jesus Christ. If you're a firefighter, and you're not aware of Firefighters for Christ, or not connected with it, or you're a police officer, with the same thing or in the ambulance service, we'll be at the back if you want to make contact with us. We can put you in contact with other people that can encourage you in your day-to-day living and the type of difficult roles and difficult jobs that you do. Men, rise to the call today. Rise to be the man of God that he's calling you to be, that he's stirring in your heart today through these gifted speakers. Listen to what the Lord's saying to you. Be challenged, but rise to the challenge.
0: Thanks, bro. You know, then we can't really in, uh, impact and affect other people. So it's great to see that what's going on in, uh, in our nation, but not, not so much that, but in the services and things, it's just a, just a blessing. So, Rob, thank you. And, you know, there's different ways. Uh, Paul also said, if by any means I might win some. And Clinton Kirkpatrick's here from Cave Time Come on up, Clinton. Because I, I know Clinton from Victory Praise, where we host one of our men's meetings last Monday and every month, in uh, in, in in Pastor Willis's church at Victory Praise, where where Clinton worships. But like yeah, look at the look at this guy, like you know what I mean? Come on, tell us a wee bit about your ministry and tell us a bit about how you um, impact upon the the men that you would be you'd be around. Yeah. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Um,
2: just on the back of what was said I was watching a movie last night my daughter had gone to bed my wife had settled down um, stuck a movie on and uh, it wasn't any epic great movie it was a beam rate kung fu movie and it was about Bruce Lee's big fight in San Francisco that made him famous the fight before he ever did any of his movies and he was fighting a guy who was Master Wong Jackman, and he thought that Bruce Lee was polluting Kung Fu by teaching it to the whites, and he wanted to keep it pure, and he was telling people that Kung Fu was all about two things, rule one, know your opponent, rule two, know yourself, and everything else is eternity, and that hit me like a Bruce Lee punch, rule one, know your opponent, Rule two, know yourself, and everything else is eternity. And based on that quote, I was just sitting thinking about the scriptures and thinking about what the Word of God tells me about our opponent, about the enemy of our soul, and how he is trying to hunt us down, to find us in a moment of weakness. And an illustration that I use with our guys is... uh, the unity you see, whenever you watch the National Geographic Channel or, or, or whatever documentary, and you see the beast, and they're making their journey through the savannah and search for water. And some of them are old, some of them are injured, and some of them are weak. And if they get separated from the herd, the roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, picks them out. But the wise beast, even when he is weak, And weary or injured stays behind the big bulls. And this room is full of men who are big bulls, who can join together and point horns towards the enemy, so that those who are weak and those who are weary can get in behind and have a safe place to rest, a place where they can hide, a place where they can be built up, a place where they can be restored. Because you know what? You'll need them to do the same for you someday. And the mindset is called locking shields. It's the same thing that the Romans, the Greeks, the Vikings did whenever they built the shield wall. They stood in unity. One man and another and another. And each one of them had 100% faith and trust in the man to his left and to his right and to behind. Because if he didn't, if he, he was fearful, if he didn't trust this man, if he didn't love this man, the wall would collapse and the enemy would have victory. So what I want from our guys and what I, I, I try to instill and what they have shown me is that through unity, through standing in a shield wall, locked facing down the enemy, we know he's real and we know he's out there, but with this man and this man to my left and to my right and with this man behind me, we will move forward. We will claim kingdom territory. We will take back the broken and the weak and the wounded who the devil has been rejoicing and happy that he's been able to pull away from us. But you know what? We're drawing a line in the sand and saying no more. No more are we going to allow children to, to fall into the wayside because there's been no father figure in their home. No more are we going to allow wives to be hurt and abused and broken because a man doesn't know how to step into his place of authority in the home, his God given place. No more. We're going to stand in unity as the church of God. So know yourself. Who are you? Your son, a son of the Most High, an heir to his kingdom and greater things you will do in his name. That's who you are. In that boldness, we can step forward. In that boldness, we can claim the ground that has been stolen from us. I came back from a a conference there in America, the Key of Time Conference, and it was was two or three days of of great speakers and amazing teaching. But there was one moment sitting at 7 a.m., Around a campfire beside a lake, there was about 80 men worshiping God, and a message was brought, and it was very simple, but very effective, and the words were this, men, do not follow your heart. This world will tell you to follow your heart, to trust yourself, to follow your instincts, but the Word of God tells us not to follow our heart. It tells us to command our heart. So those mornings when you wake up weary and broken and worn, and when you think you can't go on, left open with the Word of God, turn to the Psalms and read what the Psalmist said about how that when he had reached the end of the end, God gave him a little more. When he came to the end of that tether, he threw down it and picked up a new one. Do not follow your heart, but command it. Command your heart with the words of God. Do not rely on your own understanding because we've all done that and we've all failed. And God has said to us, no, but here, do it this way now. Do it my way now. And we meet together on a monthly basis and and nearly two years. We're coming to the end now of our our second year. And one of the, the, the most important things about our men's fellowship is simply this relationship. The guys have got to a point now where we do trust each other. But it took showing up month after month after month when there wasn't that trust, when there wasn't that relationship when we had to command our heart to do things that felt uncomfortable and uneasy, to get to that place where we could stand and say yes, guys, I need help. Pray with me, pray for me, pray on my behalf because I'm too broken to pray for myself. And there's maybe some nights, 20 to 30 guys meet together, but in that meeting, there's four to six different churches represented because it's about unity, and about his kingdom, and his plan, and his purpose. And whenever we die to self, whenever we put our ambitions on the shelf, and say, God, this is no longer about me ticking man's boxes, or me trying to be something, but allowing you to be the God that you want to be in my life.
0: Thanks, Clinton. Outdoor pursuits, real men out in uh, tents and all types of weathers, Christians, band of brothers, and yet how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands a blessing, even life forevermore. And isn't it wonderful that we can, whatever tickles your fancy, so to speak, football, whatever it might be, out, outside, doesn't matter. We can still be effective in all we do. Pastor Carl's here from Thriving Life Church in newton Runs their men's group as well. So he's going to take the, uh, the next few minutes. We're, 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 you're, you're, all, you know, you're all right. You're all right. Extra time penalties. <laughs> Replay if necessary. Back next week. Come on, give us a... You got the fire extinguishers
3: ready? No. Okay, good. Uh, well, look, I'm going to try and be as brief as I can. And actually, what really, what really helps, God is good. Because a lot of what I was going to say, you you, you hit it right on the head, um, Roy. So I just want to thank you for what you had to say. And I would actually, Andrew, could you put up the slide? Because um, there's some things that I have a story to tell. That's that's why I'm standing here. Um, I actually was having coffee with Spud. He says, look, you've got to get that story out there to let people know this is happening. So just a bit of background. Yes, I'm one of the pastors at Thriving Life. I'm involved with the men's stuff that goes on there. I'm part of a bunch of guys here who... They're embodying a lot of what you see up in that. I love that I'm part of a community of people where it's invitational. They're open to, that's not just stay here. While there are people out there who need to know the good news, that's get to work. So I just wanna honor you guys. But also, like my background, I I spent seven years working with an agency um, around drug misuse, suicide, self-harm. And interestingly, doing that work that's led to the work I'm doing now, interestingly in that work, One of the things that often struck me when it came to care and going towards need in the community was that when it came to teachers, when it came to people on the front line dealing with pupils or or just, you know, having access to people who had needs, it was never that they didn't care. It was never that they didn't see maybe something wasn't quite right. But often what stopped them moving towards it was that it felt too big. It felt too messy. What if I open Pandora's box here? What if I ask the question, and you know in Northern Ireland it's the how are you doing? And somebody actually takes you up on it. You ever had that? You pass them on the street, how are you doing? Well actually, I was only joking. <laughs> and away you go. But actually that's what stops people actually asking the question, how are you doing? Because what if the answer? And actually, when we were working in that sort of a field, teachers would often say, because I had deadlines, I had homeworks to mark, I had a, you know, a Board of Governors meeting, I had all these different things. I didn't want to open Pandora's box. So I was feeling like it was too big. And the other thing was that always struck me it was that idea that isolation kills. I was always asked that, you know, what's, what's the worst drug out there? You know what's the one that's you know getting the most kids? what's what's you know causing the most harm? I would say it's not a it's not a substance. It's isolation. When loneliness becomes part of someone's story, that's when the stakes go up and they're in trouble. So believe us when we're talking about this today about how much your church community matters and you getting plugged into it. And often one of the things I would say is, that just by plugging yourself into a crowd of people, that isn't isn't you in community. Some of the loneliest people you'll find are found in a crowd. It's being known and knowing others. And so I love what's happening in our church around community. I love what's happening with our men and trying to dive deeper into that. But the story I wanted to share really quickly with you is because if this is the graveyard shift, then this is a nightmare. We have two minutes, okay? so you can hang with me. My brother I'm one of six, by the way, Roy, so that's a small family over here. Um, <laughs> my older brother was somebody I would have kind of boxed. The box it says, "Hard to reach." I'd not see him in a church. I have no idea even how that first conversation even starts. I'm a pastor. He's one of those guys that, you know, science wins. You know, anything scientific, nonsense. I need facts. I need tangible evidence you need to show me. He was so hard-hearted towards certain things and just aggressive at times. It just felt like, I just don't even know how to go there. It felt too big. It felt too big. And so when you were challenging us, Roy, about this idea of pray for five people, I just kind of felt that challenge of, Okay, like hands up all of you here right now. Hands up if you can do five people, if you can pray for five people. Hands up if you can do that. Good. Were there any names that got just bumped off the list? Which might be a strange thing to ask. But when you're challenged with something like that, maybe there's a face or a name It just feels like that person that's, oh, but that's a bit too hard. Or I can never see the day when, not them. I've got to get five achievable ones. You know, if we're looking for a return here, I've got to get five easy ones. So I'm just interested, who was the face? Who was the name that got bumped off the list? Because for me, it would have been my oldest brother. And I'm just quickly sharing with you a series of events that started with doing something, making one move. You see, he appeared at the front of my house one day, and that might not seem like a strange thing, but he doesn't know where I live. And there he is, outside the window, and I'm just thinking, there's my brother. That's unusual. And he looks a little confused and a little lost, and I have to be honest, I didn't want to go out the front because I could already play out the conversations that happen, and uh, oh, this will be two hours. And I've just sat down, I'm comfortable. And I'm being honest with you and vulnerable with you because you need to know this is a reality. It'll get uncomfortable. And it might seem strange, but that's my brother, and out I went, reluctantly. And it turned out he was playing Pokemon Go with his son got lost, and ended up outside the front of the house. (laughs) God is good. (laughs) Long story short, when people say that, it's usually not short. Long story short, and him asking a lot of questions, a lot of questions that I felt way over my head, I made one invite. Because something I was hearing through it, God just allowed me to say it, you're lonely. And what I know I can offer, it maybe isn't just something I can give, but I know a bunch of guys. I know a place that you can come, and you're going to get community. I'm just offering a coffee. And he said, yes. Who knew? Turned out then the story continued over that coffee, that he'd lost work, and You know, just a lot of different things had kind of transpired in his life that were just flagging up a lot of things that he didn't have and that weren't working out too well. And a lot of things he put faith in just weren't working. Now here's the part. That was the last part I kind of played in that journey. Because what happened since that was a bunch of guys stepped in and things like, no car, I can help. You want to look for work? I can help you want to know more about faith I can help come along to Christianity Explored I'll go with you just person after person after person after person that stepped in to play a significant part in his journey I didn't even have to do a thing that's the power of being part of a community that cares and here's the great part because there's the part only God can do One day, he was floating around after a service, ended up going up for prayer ministry. And it was three things he flagged up. He says, I have a bad hip. I haven't been able to play football with my son for years. All I can do is, it's so bad that I can only just do a stopwatch and time him to see how far he can run in as quick a time. That's all I can do with him. We're having huge issues with this school and difficulties with that, and there's no breakthrough. Could you just pray for that? And finally, I just feel like I've always got questions. It's never enough. I'm always looking for evidence, always looking for all these things. It's never enough. I just pray, would you pray that it would be enough? That night, there was movement with the hip. The next day, he was playing football with his son. He wasn't timing him. He was running beside him. His prayer wasn't from that point, if you're there, his prayer that day was, Wow, you're there. What about the school thing? Later the next th- th- that week, an email from the school, problem solved, off the table, done. Two to three. He at that point looked in the mirror and just went, God, it's not if you're there, you're there. And you know what? I have no more questions. That's enough. And then he goes, wait. Well, that answer number three. Three out of three. God is good. And God is always willing to do what only he can do. Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand isn't shortened that he cannot reach, nor his ear dull that he can't hear. He's always ready to move, always willing to listen. But the challenge I just felt from that story was, what if I didn't step out? What if I didn't go out the front of the house? And so simply that's what I want to leave with you guys. Get the difficult name back on the list. Get the face. Keep it in front of you. Get fear out of the way. It has no part to play here. God can do what only he can do. But if he has one thing for you to do, will you do it. But do it in the context of community as well if you're not plugged into a church family, then maybe that's your next step.
0: Thank you. I like it. We can't create an anxious thought. None of us can. We're gonna take a bit of a comfort break. Just in a moment, let you get up and stretch your legs before we come into the final session. But I want to leave you with a bit of a challenge. You know, we've heard a lot of things today about. Uh, just as Carl was speaking there, I was thinking, you know, that scripture in John thirteen seventeen. If you know these things, blessed are ye who do them. And can I say this by way of a challenge? The Holy Spirit. He's not. He's not the doer. He's your helper. The Lord's ascended and said, "I will send the helper." We're the doers. We do it by his strength. We're his hands and his feet. If he hadn't have spoken, if you hadn't have looked out the window, I get God brought him, God drew him. But if you had have ignored him, where would he be today?